This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for another episode of the Oak Road Hatter Podcast. I'm Billy Mully, and today I'm joined by just Dylan Bundia as we preview Saturday's clash with Millwall. We also hear later on from Ryan Dilks of the Second Tier Podcast for his assessment of Luton's season so far. But before that, we'll get into the Millwall game that's coming up on Saturday. And Dylan, first of all, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I mean, it is difficult because we've just had another week of international football second of three in three successive months which is just ridiculous got so bored that I actually went to play 90 minutes of football on Saturday and that was not a good idea so I'm hoping that the next uh, international break doesn't come too quickly but we'll talk about Luton because no one cares about me trying to run around the football pitch it's Millwall as I said Got an awful record in London um, from what I remember. When I think of London, I don't think of very many victories. But Millwall in particular, we haven't won at the Den since 1999. Is that something that you're worried about, these sort of statistics? Or is that something that we're, we're proving wrong? We're breaking down these statistics and this is another opportunity to do so? No, I, I couldn't care less about records or whatever. I... I... I always feel like, you know, those those stats always come up about, you know, so-and-so hasn't won here since then. But frankly, you know, when you when you cross the white line and, and there's 11 v 11, it, it doesn't matter. And, and you know, it, it's, you think back to what, what did you say, 1994, um, you know, completely different. I wasn't even born then. So, you know, it's uh, I don't like I don't think that that matters at all. And, and the, the lads will go out and uh, and hopefully put in a good performance and, and get the win for us. 
And looking at Millwall in a little bit more depth, I think when we've looked at them before, there's there's always been this talk about Jed Wallace. Um, obviously, a brilliant, brilliant player who's deservingly getting some Premier League attention. But is are they too reliant on Jed Wallace? Is there any other threats that they have? Obviously, they do have players that can perform, but is there still this notion of that everything that they create has to come through Wallace or, or am I being a little bit too one-dimensional there? There's sort of more strings to their bow. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen a whole load of Millwall this, this season, but uh, from some of the stats I've seen around Wallace and his goal contributions in terms of uh, assists and goals as a whole of, of Millwall, I mean, they're still very reliant on him in that sense. Um, and, and you know what, that's that's fair enough. If you've got a player like Jed Wallace in the championship for your team, you're going to put everything through Jed Wallace because he's such a good player in the final third. Um, but obviously they have other players. Afobe's just finding his feet, um, a striker. Um, Matt Smith is obviously the big man. I know all about him from when we lost, uh, was it 3-1 uh, in our first season in the championship, I think it was, um, at the Den. So no, that look, they've... And they'll have Jake Cooper as well, big threat from set pieces at the back. So I think, um, you know, Jed Wallace is their player, he's their main man. Um, but you can't focus too much on one player because there is another 10 out there and they've got some decent players. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a tough, it's, you know, the den is a, is a difficult place to go. Everyone knows that. Um, and Gary Rowett's got them and turned them into, a, you know, they've had a decent start to the season and they're a fairly solid team. Um, the, the draw specialist of the championship, I think it's six out of 11. Um, with us close behind in on five draws, so um, so yeah, it'll be a difficult game. But they've got a lot. Of, they've got some decent players, but Jed Wallace is obviously the the main man. Yeah, as you say, Wallace always had that influence, and if you've got a player like that, then then you've got to use it. But I think I think what I've said there might be a little bit critical of saying they might be a bit too one dimensional. But they do have players like Shea Ojo as well, who's come in and looks. At it. If he's anything like he was at Cardiff when he played against us, then he's certainly going to cause us a few problems. And as you say, a phobie seems to be somewhat of a goal scorer. Um, I know Smith has had that threat in recent years against us, but they have lacked a goal scorer, I feel personally. But I think a phobie can fill that role. Um, obviously, the back, back three that they play, very, very strong, hard to break down. They've added Ballard the Northern Ireland international in there, and he's had an excellent start from what I've seen. So they are a strong outfit. Um, as you say, draw specialists, six draws. It's, it's sort of a common theme of every season because it, it seems that they're the draw specialists of every championship season we've been a part of so far. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out, especially when we've got a few draws to our name this season. But going on to us, we obviously had the 5-0 victory over Coventry, followed up with 0-0, two clean sheets. Can you expect a third? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, th I know I know three at the back's got a lot of flack and, and it hasn't worked at points, but this season, the evidence is clear that three the three at the back has been very, very good for us so far this season. Um, I think it gives us great balance. I think it enables the front guys to really be aggressive and pressed. Think about the the kind of wide defenders we've got in Brian and Amari Bell. They're excellent players high up the pitch. You want them high. You think about Cal Naismith. Probably not. He's someone who, who likes to to drift forwards positionally, maybe at points. 
he needs a little bit more freedom, a little bit more protection. So you have him on the left of a three with someone inside him. Um, that helps as well with his game. Um, so, and then obviously allows uh, the wide centre-backs to really step out and be aggressive in, in a different way to, to how you can in a, in a back four. And we saw it against Bournemouth um, when we started with a back four. Um, NJ after the game admitted that you know it didn't it didn't didn't go right and maybe our structure out of possession was wasn't great and we changed to the to back three slash five and um and really dominated the game so yeah I think we can get get another clean sheet um I think the the numbers are very good the underlying numbers are very good we're not conceding shed loads of chances um and the last two games against Coventry and Huddersfield really kind of brought that all together we saw the firepower at the front against Coventry and then Huddersfield we we probably deserve to win but um, the clean sheet again is is really important. As you said there um, sort of the performances have been there and we've, we're getting the sort of statistics and the data to back us up now I think in terms of expected goals we're in the top three um, in the division in terms of the, the goals that we're expected to concede we've got sort of the fifth best defensive record um, and sort of expected goals table we're fifth as well so the data's backing us up the performances are there do you think that we can kick on from this point from sort of the the Coventry win the Huddersfield draw I know it wasn't a victory but at the same time it was another strong performance so do you think we can kick on and go perhaps on the little unbeaten run yeah, absolutely. I think I think with the the guys coming back, I think there's a few playing. I think Campbell and uh, Musquey are playing right. Uh, well, as we're recording, um, against uh, in, in a development game. So having those two back will be huge. Uh, hopefully, Pelly's back at some point. Hopefully, Onyedinma gets back, um, and we don't have any any more of the of the injury problems that we've had so far. But there's no reason why why we can't because the, everything's been there so far this season to suggest that we are a very good team and we're playing very well and we're creating lots of high quality chances. We're not conceding too many um, high, high quality chances. And that's kind of come together where well, it definitely came together against Coventry and then Huddersfield as well. So, you know, there's no re reason why we can't barring another uh, big injury crisis. And it will be really good to see, hopefully after this international break, uh, Nathan Jones have a, have a fully fit squad to choose from able to rotate in three game weeks. Like we have to, like we'll have to, um, uh, with um, the first week after the international break, so yeah, I think I think we can, and and we're looking the po the signs are really positive, and and we're looking like a a really really good outfit. Definitely, and as as you say there, Alan Campbell, Admiral Musquey, both playing today. Hopefully, they can get the sufficient minutes in to continue their respective recoveries. But one player that's not playing today, which we probably would have hoped would have got run out, but it also could mean that he might be in contention for first team football. We don't know, but that's Fred on your dimmer. Do you think his influence will be welcomed back massively once he's back in the side? But the, the one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is that we've gone from operating with wingers and, and a central front man to now operating with two up front. Do you think that will come as sort of a detriment of on your demo, or does that just keep allowing us to be flexible? Well, we know we're flexible, um, and we know that you know we can be flexible. So the thing with on your is he's different to Cornick in as a winger. Cornick is, in my opinion, Cornick's best position is is not as a winger; it's as a 
uh, in a front two as a split striker because he can play on the final man, he can chase, he can do all the best things. You know, technically he's a decent player, but he's very reliant on his power and his running. Um, but Onyedinma is different. Onyedinma has obviously got the physical attributes as well, but you want to play Onyedinma into his feet um, a lot of the time. We've been, you know, he's, he's a threat in behind, but he's so dangerous 1v1. You want him as wide as possible, getting the ball, going 1v1 at a, cent at a, at a fullback, slightly different to Cornick in that sense. So, yeah, you know, these are these are big, these are the kind of calls that you got to, that Nathan Jones has got to make because if Onyedin was back, definitely don't want, in my opinion, to see him playing in the number 10 role. It's just not his role. Not keen on him either as a in a front two. So that's the decision that we've got to make is is do we and that just hap, that will happen on a game by game basis in terms of how we think that we can, you know, we can affect the opposition. So yeah, look, this is all. Um, important decisions to be made and this is this is why these guys are, are top coaches because they make these calls um but yeah really, it'll be really exciting to have him back because he looked really bright um until he until he unfortunately got injured one player as well that we might see back um again not too sure because i'm pretty sure i'm not making this up Lockyer did get injured didn't he for just before the, the international break so do we expect to see burke back is he is he someone that's just walks into the team if Lockyer is injured is there any sort of contention for that spot I think it's a tricky one because we've been playing this back three and obviously Lockyer and Naismith have been on the sides the last two games and Bradley's been through the middle now if Lockyer gets injured then yeah you'd assume then yeah Reese Burke will, will come in and play in that position but I actually think Reese Burke's best position is is through the middle of the back three because he's someone who's maybe not as naturally inclined to step out in the, in the way that Lockyer and Naismith do and close players in front of him. The reason he's been playing in the middle of the back three is because he's, he's got good, he's a bit different to the others and he's, his ability to cover behind, he's got, real good, he's, he's got good stride, good pace, and he can cover behind the defenders. Uh, so, yeah, I, look, he can definitely do a job at the right of the three, but I think his best role is, is through the middle. And then there comes the other thing with Sonny Bradley as well, in terms of Sonny Bradley, again, is probably better through the, through the middle, not because he's a brilliant covering defender like Burke, but because I think he's a little bit exposed when playing on the left of the three. Because when you play on the left of the, or the right of the three, a lot of the time you're defending really wide. And that's probably not Sonny Bradley's um, strongest area. So, um, so yeah, look, I think Reese Burke, will, will, if Lockyer is injured, then Reese Burke will, will play there. Um, because he's, he's he's been very good so far. So um, hopefully Locke is fit though, and we have we have everyone available. It sounds like you're wanting a uh, six at the back formation where we can get <laughs> both Burke and uh, Bradley in sort of that more more central position. And to be fair, we made five at the back with Glenn Ray in the side look attacking. So I'm, I'm sure we could try and find a way of making that look a little bit more attacking. But going back to Ray, I've, I've just mentioned him there. Is he someone that you can see getting more football as sort of the season progresses? Or as, as Stephen said the other day, do you think he, he's a player that Jones calls on when he needs sort of someone that you can rely on? I mean, he's, he's, he's deserved it the last two games. He's been excellent. Um, and, you know, he doesn't give us the firepower in possession. He doesn't give us the real box-to-box -box stuff. But, you know, he came up against Coventry. He came up against Gustavo Hamer and Callum O'Hare. Now, those are two abs 
absolutely outstanding central midfielders in the championship. The energy they give, the intelligence of their movement, the way they move the ball, it's they're very good players. And Glenn Ray dealt with them and at points was dealing with both of them. Um, so, so it's a tricky one because we, when Pelly and, and Alan Campbell are back, then there's big competition. But I think maybe what Glenn Ray has done is just kind of gone to the fans and, and you know, especially the fans, um, probably a bit less so Nathan Jones and said, look, I'm still here and I'm good enough and, and I deserve to play. So, yeah, you know, he'll whether he'll, he's not going to play every game um, because I don't think anyone will apart from Pelly, to be honest. Um, but, you know, he's, 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 he's brought himself back into the conversation and, and fair play to him because he's taken a lot of stick uh, from fans on, on social media, especially. And I think, you know, you've got to be careful with that because people will, will come back and, and, and prove everyone wrong. And, and so far he's, he's done that. He was, he was excellent in the two games that he played. Yeah, so it's a good point you mentioned there about people writing Ray off because I guess a similar player could have been Luke Berry. And I think we were all going, the, the four of us were going through the players that we could see head out on loan or depart this summer. And I think you're the only one that sort of kept faith in, in that Berry could have a big part to play this season. So it just shows you how quickly things can change, how important some players can be in certain parts of the season. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was going to say, um, you know, not everyone wrote him off, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, exactly. You know, we've got. I think I think people at points can get frustrated when when coaches and managers say, you know, I trust this player, I trust Glenn Ray, I trust Danny Hilton. But as a coach, you know, you you need to be able to to have faith in a player that they're going to go out and do what you want them to do and do their job. Now, when someone has done that for you for a number of years at three different levels in different situations, especially in, in the relegation, in the season where we avoided relegation, when Nathan Jones came back, as a coach, you, of course you're going to say, you know what, I trust this player because every time I've, I've called on him or most times I've called on him, he's done, he's done well and he's done what I needed him to do. And, and Glenn Ray has done that. He, he had a job on Callum O'Hare's or, or Gustavo Hamer and he, he did the job. Um, so fair play to him. And, and I understand the whole trust thing. Uh, but I also get why why fans on the outside might get a little bit frustrated with that. Um, but, you know, well done, Glenn Ray, for, for putting yourself back in the conversation. Exactly that. And uh, as we mentioned before, there, there's two players out there today, Alan Campbell and um, Admiral Musway. Do you think any of them could come back into contention for Saturday or, or is this, or this game today all about getting them to a point where they're, they're, they can return sort of the week after? Is this week about progression more than testing if they're ready for contention on Saturday? Oh, well, it, it depends on, on how they're doing physically, but um, I assume today is, is giving them some minutes that they haven't had for a while. Um, so yeah, maybe probably not Saturday because if they're playing, if they're going to play ninety today, then you'd assume that they wouldn't on Saturday. But who knows? Who knows um, where they're at physically? Um, but I think both of them will be will be super important. Um, I don't think we've seen we haven't seen anything of Musque in terms of what he's capable of, um, just because his minutes have been limited. He only played against Barnsley, and against Barnsley, he was he just showed glimpses of how good he could be. Um, so I think he's going to be a huge player going into the, the rest of the season if we can keep him fit, which hopefully we can. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think three game week, 
we'll need to rotate throughout. We'll need to keep it fresh. So if those guys are playing today, then or sorry on, on Tuesday, then I would assume that um, they had a they had a role to play. Uh, that they will have a role to play um, over the next week or two. Another interesting one as, as we sort of move move sort of into the latter stages of this international break is is Gabe Osho because obviously put into the the holding role, put some really strong performances in, but sort of Ray's ability to come back into the side has sort of kept him out for the last two games. So do you think he still has a massive part to play this season? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's tough for him because he's a young guy. He's playing in the, you know, and he's learning a new position in the championship, which is difficult um, for someone to do. And then he played left wing back against uh, Swansea, which is something he's never done. Um, so, you know, he's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult one to to come in as a young guy and, and play and learn a new position at this level and um, but good on him because he's he's done well um i think with time and experience we'll get that little bit of know-how that may be the for the bournemouth first goal um billings goal where you know he, he just lot he just let philip billing run off him when he should have gone with him you know little things like that he'll he'll slowly learn and and and, and he'll be working working really on the on the pitch with that but no he's a he's a he's a great utility he's been a great utility player to have and i'd imagine as well if there's an injury at right back he can play there as well so um so yeah no uh gabby osha will, will be a really important player for us he just needs time and, and and minutes focusing back on that millwall game dylan i'll come to you for a score prediction before we round this all off so what are you going to go for for saturday uh, I'm going to go with a third clean sheet. So I'm going to go 1-0 to us. Okay. I'm going to give my score prediction when I speak to Ryan Dilks of the Second Tier Podcast a little bit later. I'm now joined by Ryan Dilks of the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you very much, Ryan, for joining us today for what's your second time on the podcast. So how are you doing today? All right, mate. I'm looking forward to another chat about all things to do with the Hatters. Yes, well, um, I think when we when we spoke last time, it was um, two signings in. I think we were. I think we signed Anya Dinma and Burke. You weren't. I you weren't too happy, but you weren't too disappointed with those signings. But then we've gone on to make an, an additional seven, bringing in Thorpe as the last one. So going back to the summer, do you think it was a strong recruitment drive from the Hatters? Do you think that they've added where they needed to be and? there was sort of confidence from the start. Yeah, um, I think um, they've definitely been the, one of the busiest clubs in the summer and it's made them into a club which I think is going to be at least top half this season, maybe even challenging for the playoffs. Um, some of the signings that they've made have at least added depth to the squad, which was already fairly strong in itself. I think Amari Bell's been a really good uh, player to bring in. Um, Jordan Clark has... Nathan Jones said has been the best free transfer of all time. Um, but yeah, it, it's mainly been about adding um, squad depth, really, hasn't it? There have been some players who I'm surprised haven't had more of a go, like Carlos Mendez Gomez, I thought would be really be a bit of a breakout star this season, but he's only really come off the bench, hasn't he? So yeah, as long as it's been adding something to the squad, which is in this case depth, then I can't complain too much. Yeah, as you say, like of Mendes Gomez hasn't had too much of a go so far. Um, with Onya Dinma getting injured, it, it sort of seemed destined for, for him to actually get a bit more of a, a part in this season. But 
I think now changing to 5 whatever we're going to call it, that sort of hindered his progress. And it's actually one of the things that that's helped is Harry Cornick and he's gone up top now partnering Adebayo. So is he a player that you've been impressed by? And did you expect him to sort of kick on after having a, a disappointing season when it comes to goal contributions? Yeah, I think he has been impressive this season. And I think it is a bit of a surprise because, as you say, he was pretty disappointing last season. And I've seen him quite a lot. He obviously has pace. I think that goes without saying and he works hard. But there's a bit of a problem with his end product. But this season, we're starting to see more of that. I think him playing in a front two with Adebayo, the two complement themselves so well because they both work hard. Adebayo is the one who, you know, provides a physical presence up front, winning headers and what have you, and knocking it down to Cornick. Whereas Cornick is also more than happy to go down the channels, playing in balls to Adebayo or anyone else who's, you know, venturing into the box. So, yeah, Cornick's been, um, he's, he's impressed me surprisingly, because I didn't think he'd feature as much in the Luton team this season. But if he's going to keep playing this, like this, then he's making himself almost undroppable in a way, isn't he? Yeah, certainly. And, and going back to your pre-season predictions during your second tier podcast episode, I think you had Luton in seventh, narrowly missing out on the playoffs. And I think it was Justin who was holding you back somewhat with a 12th place prediction. I think it evened out at 10th. So... Narrowly missing out of playoffs was what you went for. Do you think that's something that Luton will be striving towards? Sort of, well, the playoff positions not narrowly missing out, but do you think that's a realistic ambition and something that you could see happening? Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on a Luton podcast. It's something I've been saying on the second tier now for you know three or four weeks that Luton have been really unlucky in some of the games that they've had this season in this recent run that they've had where they haven't picked up as many points as they probably should have they've been playing so well um and that's a good sign if you're playing well and results aren't going your way then i think um once you get out that bad run of form results will start going your way as long as you continue to play as well as they were it's all about you know putting the ball in the back of the net which is obviously easier said than done but adebayo now that he's got um a few more goals under his belt. Hopefully that will improve in that case. And then I think one of the other reasons why Luton haven't picked up as many points recently is the form of Simon Sluger, who I think has started to regress a bit. I think last season he was one of the best goalkeepers in the championship. This season, I don't think he's matched those same levels. I think at one point he actually had the lowest save percentage in the division. I'm not sure if that's still the case now, but he was around... 50%. So he was letting in around half the shots that he was facing. So that's disappointing. And I think that's one of the reasons why Luton have been uh, you know, dropping points recently. But nonetheless, they've been playing well. I think the results will come again soon. And I can only see them, you know, surging up the table. Playoffs, why not? There are teams who I think are better suited to getting into the top six this season. But if Luton managed to at least challenge for the top six, then that is a bloody good season. Definitely, yeah. Um, it's it's been progression for about six years now since our league two days. We've always finished higher up in the pyramid, and to better that this year, we've got to finish higher than twelfth. And it's definitely something that could happen. But at the same time, I don't think too many Luton fans would be too disappointed if they don't hit sort of twelfth place, and if it's sort of a more 
13th to 16th region, that's still success because that's another season in championship football. I think one, one of the most important things is that Luton are still a championship club when we go into power court. So do you think, do you think Luton are in a position now where they shouldn't be fearing relegation as the season begins? Because as, personally, as a fan, I'm, I'm someone that goes into the season thinking, who are the three worst teams? Who are going to be Lowell Luton this year? Do you think come next season and the season after, do you think that's an expectation that I can drop? Yeah, it's strange you say that because I've spoken to other Luton fans who say the same thing. And I'm just like, why? Why are you worried about going down? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah, re relegation. It just seems to be a distant memory now for Luton because they've got, you know, the foundations of a strong championship side. And there's always going to be at least three teams who don't have that foundation or something on something else going on in the background. So, yeah, as long as Luton don't have a major collapse this season, then they can head into next season at the very least saying they don't get promoted um, and not have to worry about relegation. They can... It, it, as you've said, Luton have had this progression now for six years or so where they're just constantly going up and up and up. And I don't see any reason why that can't continue, um, especially if they do, um, you know, continue that progression this season and the next season. Then who knows? You, you won't be looking over your shoulders anymore and uh, you'll be thinking to yourself, right, we're glad to be in the championship. But now we want to get out of it, but heading in the right way. Definitely that year. I think um, I think it's because of how up and down it has been in 15 years. It's always that expectation that if it's not promotion, then it's probably relegation because I think it's only been maybe four, even five seasons where we haven't moved up in the table, moved sorry up or down in the table, and two of those years have been the last two seasons. Um, going on to Millwall because it's Millwall away next for Luton. Luton have an awful record in London, even worse at the Den, which is always brilliant after an international break. But Millwall sort of having problems in creativity. I, I always say about an over-reliance on Jed Wallace. Do you reckon that's the case this season again? Do you think there's not much creativity in that side if you take out Jed Wallace? Yeah, massively. That's been Millwall's issue now for... I think it's about the third season running where they're so reliant on Jed Wallace going forward. And it's not just about creativity, it's scoring goals because no one else really scores goals on the regular formula apart from Jed Wallace. And he is their spark. If you silence Jed Wallace, then you go a long way to silencing Millwall as a whole. But it's not just going forwards defensively. They've been one of the best teams in the division um, at stopping goals going in. But recently, this season, it's not been as solid. It's strange because their defenders are all, you know, very solid defenders at this level and haven't been playing particularly poorly, but they are conceding more chances than they usually do. So they've got problems at both ends of the pitch. And if I was Luton, may not have a good record in London, but if I was Luton, I'd be fancying my chances of getting, at the very least, a draw from this game. Um, maybe even three points, because Millwall aren't in great shakes at the moment themselves. They draw a lot of games. And um, a draw, I don't think, will be a bad result for Luton, but I just see no reason why they can't go out and get three points. Well, probably put in sort of a damning 
impact on this is that it's going to be my my first away day of the season so i'm not oh, no. much it's oh no awful, there you go you've cursed him <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's never never good when i go on i mean it's um been a long time since my last away day but yeah it's always a bad record and i I don't know why I'm saying this on the podcast because nobody, if somebody <laughs> sees me there at the weekend, I'm going to get a lot of stick for it. But I have to do it now. I've bought my ticket. I can't go back. And London, here I come. But we'll just get your score prediction on that just because we, yeah, we just need some, hopefully, some positivity. I'll go for a one-all draw. I'd say that's probably the most likely because Millwall are the draw kings of the championship. I'd say if you're asking me which team is more likely to win, I probably would say Luton. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on a Luton podcast. I'm going to go for a sneaky 1-0 win. I'm, I'm never too optimistic, but I think I have to sort of balance it out after bringing all that negativity about my first away yeah. day. I'm going to go <laughs> for a 1-0 Luton win on Saturday but that's all we have time for today as always today's music is from Kevin McLeod in Compatech check that out for any other similar musical needs big thank you to you Ryan and Dylan who was on the podcast earlier and also a big thank you for the listeners who are continuing to support us back next week with some reaction from Millwall and Derby but for now goodbye Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.